104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Let me tell you, sports talk doesn't stop for anything around here. We're in on an Easter Sunday. I'm Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds, Jake Gillette, and our very own Josh Roberts. Everybody, how are you doing this morning? Great, thank you. Fantastic. That's beautiful, yep. Yeah, we're having a conversation off the air that I thought we would continue on the air because uh, Jake Gillette wasn't here last week because he was at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, I'll let Ned do the interview because the show's named after you. But we were just getting an education about what happens at the Masters behind the scenes. So, Ned, take over. Let's talk about this. Really, Jake's story is is one that would be very beneficial to anybody who has never been there before because Jake had never been there before, and you suddenly came upon some passes. Elaborate just a little bit on that. Yeah, um, my wife and I know Zach Johnson, who's a PGA player, um, his wife, his, her sister, so it's a, it basically it's Zach Johnson's sister-in-law. We're very close friends with them. And so she was all excited six months ago, which told me he, she's going to carry Zach's bag on Wednesday during the practice round or the par three. And I, at that point, was like, hey, you know, obviously if you ever get any tickets, I'll pay whatever it takes. Because it is single-handedly the hardest ticket in all of sports. You think of all the sports out there, that's the one you can't get. And it's who you know. That's exactly what it is. And so we got a text. He missed the cut by one. We get a text Friday night. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the Masters on TV in, in Nixon, Missouri. And she's <laughs> like, hey, uh, we're out of here. He missed the cut. And if you want our tickets, we're not giving them to anybody else. But here you go. And so we found a flight. I was on that course by noon the next day. That is phenomenal. Now, now I do know that Augusta and Atlanta, I'm assuming you landed in Atlanta. Did. We flew in Atlanta. That's about two hours, so you rented a yep. car. Any problem driving down there? No, and it, and I'll tell you, if you've ever driven through the state of Georgia, it's the most one of the most beautiful states. The palm trees are a hundred foot high. They line the highways up everywhere you go. It's pretty, and so then of course you know you start seeing the signs Augusta next exit, and you're like, oh my God, it's Augusta, Georgia, right? So yeah, it's, it, we drove down there two hours. Now, I'm told by individuals who have been here, and there are a number of them from the Springfield area who do go every year, that when you're driving down the street. We'll use Glenstone as an example. All of a sudden, there it is. Yeah, it's it is. in the middle of town. It's right in the middle of town. You'd never know it was there, uh, honestly, um, if it wasn't for following the golf traffic and the signs that say golf traffic. But it is. It's right in the middle of town. It's kind of like our our courses here in town that you're like, oh, there's a golf course over here. And <laughs> there, there there it is, Augusta, Georgia, the uh, where the Masters play every year. It's the only course they play every year mm-hmm. um, for, for, for one of the you know, top four premier uh, uh, tournaments, you know, one of the four. So I've been to all of them except for that one. Now I can mark that off the list. And next is, there's two more. Going to the Open, uh, across the pond in Europe, and then a Ryder Cup. You've been to a PGA. I have. You have a chance to be at a PGA again this year. It's right down the road in Tulsa. It's in three weeks. I'll be there. Very good. You All right, you'll, you can mark that one off too. Let me ask you very quickly, though, about the crowds, because those of us who... I have to watch it on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. You, you really, I don't think, just like in any sporting event, you can't get the atmosphere and so forth. How would you describe it? You know, when you're on TV, and it's funny because you're, you're here listening to Jim Nance do his thing, and you're, somebody's getting ready to putt, and you'll hear a roar, but mm-hmm. it sounds like it's way in the distance. 
and they're like, oh, and what they'll do is they'll cut and be like, hey, if you heard that roar, here's what happened on the sixth hole. And so that roar is everywhere. It's the craziest thing because we were sitting on 15 watching the guys come in on that par five and then the 16 par three. And man, we heard the roar. And so I go back to 18 and the guys that we were sitting there, because you missed it, man. Rory McIlroy chipped up and around and it came in right in. And then called um, uh, the kid that won the uh, U.S. Open a couple of years ago, M- Malachowski or I can't remember his name. Anyway, he's like, okay, everybody settle down. Let me hit my sand bunker oh, okay. right in the hole. Colin Morikawa? That's him. Yeah. Yep. And so they, you know, of course you hear Roy's roar because, man, the whole, and at 18, that's where most of the people wait and watch people come in, you know? And so you hear this roar, and yes, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Um, but I'll tell you the coolest thing. All the sandwiches were $1.50. All the beers were like five bucks. It was when you get inside, they truly treat you as a true patron of the game and then the course, and it's really cool. Now, are the sandwiches all the same? I've heard it's pimento. There's the pimento and cheese, there's the egg salad, there's a chicken salad, there's a ham on rye. So you do have a variety then. They do. Yep. And these <laughs> prices are cheaper than what you get at Major League Baseball games. Oh, it's crazy. I think My every time we'd go in, it'd be like 20 bucks, two waters, two, four glasses of wine. We were drinking vino. And then. Sandwiches and such, it was 20, 30 bucks every time where you go to a Chiefs game, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go spend my life savings on a beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take out a loan to get a beer. Exactly. Yeah. Beer and hot. Exactly. Dog. So, no, the fans were great. And I'll tell you, the nicest people I've ever met. And they were, they thought we were nuts for traveling so far to go to a golf tournament. They don't understand because they're there. They, and they're there every year. It's in their backyard. Everybody gets, it's like the whole town gets tickets. Now, when you when you got the tickets, are you assigned an area where you're going to be, or is it, or it random? You can go wherever. It's random. Um, a lot of the tickets will get you into certain tents. Like, I know Peyton Manning was there. We were sitting next to the guys, and they had this wristband and a different pass than I did. And he's like, oh, yeah, Peyton Manning's in there just introducing, you know, shaking people's hands. Think, welcome to the, the, you know, whatever tent it was. So... There was, I saw a bunch, we saw a bunch of NBA players walking around. Josh Allen was there from the Bills. There was, uh, it's, and, but the thing is this, you don't have phones, so you can't take selfies. You can't sit there and take, oh, can I get my picture with you? You can't have anything like that. So these guys are walking around basically and nobody's bothering them because there's no re- no other <laughs> right. reason. So when you say you, do you, do, do they force you to leave your phone in your car or yes. what? No, you'll either check it in at the gate or you just leave it in the, and we okay. just left ours in the car. But it was nice because you get away from the world for a couple of minutes and you realize that there's more to life than just your nose in a phone for a second, you know, so. All right, Jake, where did you first encounter the hordes of individuals following Tiger? So um, on day one, we sat Amen Corner. And what's crazy is you can see, you, you get to see the crowd that we were in the grandstands and there's people with chairs. But then this crowd of people start moving in and taking up the entire green area. And Amon Corner, you see the 11th green, you see him tee off on 12, and it's a part three, and then tee off on 13. But on Sunday, we started out at hole number two, which is a par five, which is a long par five. Um, and it was very thin. The crowds were, we could see, kind of there's like two or three rows deep. And then the, you see the, the red shirt. Okay, because number two is way up high, and they come around, and it settles down there at the bottom by uh, the whole number uh, seven green and, and three tee box. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 15,000 people show up. <laughs> and it is, it is, <laughs> there's words you can, you know, you're just like nose to nose with people. And 
but then he's gone. You know, it's like it's like the morning fog in San Francisco. It comes in, and then all of a sudden, the greatest it rolls person, right. That rolls you. right. It does. <laughs> and you know, you're like, oh hey Tiger, and everybody reaches their hands out there, and he's a machine. And I'll tell you, he looks different. I've seen him before, and the kid has atrophy of the legs. Can you see it? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he was limping. Uh, my dad pointed out. We I came back and watched it because. You know, you want to see yourself on TV every once in a while. <laughs> Never saw myself. But you, when he got out of off of 18, when he left on number on the day four of Sunday, once he got past the cameras and past the people, he you can tell he almost broke down. He was holding that image of, I'm Tiger Woods. Um, yeah, he shot terrible on the weekend. Terrible. Um, but, yeah, you could tell he's worn out. 46 years old. Um, well, but he's, he's still, still he's still in recovery from that. Accident, hands I mean, there's down. There's no way he's 100. No, percent no, no, and 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 Maybe may never be. Yeah. may never be. That see, there's the that's the key right there. He may not be. Those injuries, if if it's accurate, if the reporting of it is accurate, they're they're devastating injuries. The numbers oh, yeah. of surgical procedures he had, and the number of fractures that he has, that that has that takes a a great debilitating effect on your body. That's why when they interviewed him on Wednesday and they put it on TV and they showed a clip, Tiger, can you win? Yes, I can. I can win the Masters. Woods, do you know what you're talking about? Obviously, you do. You've played this thing and won five coats. You know damn well you can't win the yeah. thing. You can't. Now, of course, I'm, I'm one of these who said never say can't and never say never and so forth and so on. But it's obvious that you've had this level of injury. And I'm told, I've never been to Augusta, but I have several friends who have, the hills are much more marked than you could possibly imagine. It is very hilly, um, and I can see why someone with that kind of injury, especially to the ankle, and you got to remember, it was his right ankle. That's where he gets all his power, all his power is in that right leg, planting, pushing off, getting through that swing, man. And, and then he can't even get down to read a, read a putt. He used to get down, if you remember, where his mm-hmm. butt's almost on the ground, and he's got his hands over his hat like this, and he can read the screen, and then... but. You're listening to Dad Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. Jake Gillette, Josh Roberts, Ned Reynolds, myself, Joe Weston. Jake's telling us about being at the Masters. I My question for you, Jake, is what surprised you the most? The How cheap the food was. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you go into the pro shop and it's $150 for a, a shirt. I mean, they, and they said that say they set records this year in, in how much in sales they had at the PGA shop. Wow. Um, and what's cool about this one, most, most term, like in Southern Hills here in two or three weeks down in Tulsa, they bring in the tents, they bring in all the stuff, but then when they leave, it looks like you're at Rivercut again. Zero tents, one clubhouse, bunch of carts. This has buildings on there that's been there for years that they use for concessions and bathrooms. So it's kind of cool. It, you know, it's like those ghost towns I build up for a movie set and use it. And then when the Masters leaves or when the movie's over, they just leave it there. And so these buildings are still, are still there. And hmm. tell me, I'm going to tell you what impressed me about what you just said, Jake. That, that I've heard the price, prices are very cheap and they're not going to be elevated at all because they do have the public in mind. What impressed me is if now your description of it may differ from ours, but you said the people were nice to you. Oh, yeah. 100%. There's, there's the key. How often does that occur in society anymore? What do you want? You know, no, it's not like that at all. It isn't. It's almost like being in the line at Chick-fil-A for two straight days because it's like, hey, sir, how are you this way? Or being at Disneyland. They, they super helpful, all the help, all the people, and they're all happy. It's the craziest thing, but they also know it's a week of hell. 
if you ask some of the workers, like, yeah, I've been here since 4 a.m., blah, blah, blah. But you would never know that if you didn't ask them. They never, they never alluded to. Because I, they know they are serving you and you are the bread and butter. Well, yeah, and I, I have to imagine that this event probably pays for the entire year for a lot of the stuff that they do. Could at be. Vista. Could be. So this event generates so much income for them. They're like, hey, we got to go all out on this one because this is this is bread and butter. This this is what fuels this whole thing. It is. And they, they showed on TV some of the holes they've changed where it was super narrow with the trees where they cut out like 150 trees here and left a few spotty trees. But that doesn't that's not free. And so, like you oh, said, yeah. it's this income-generating event for a week, they they hoarded in some cash and they what, spend it too. What's the attendance overall of the Masters? What do they? What does it usually have? Like for the whole? I'm week? going to guess. I'm going to guess maybe twenty-five or thirty thousand per round. Okay. So it would be upwards of six. Well, ninety. Ninety thousand. I'm. That's a guess. I don't. I don't know that. I do know the crowds, though. They are huge, but they're limited because you you can't go above what their capacity is going to be. That it's an ultra private club. Ultra mm-hmm. private. As a matter of fact, I don't know what their schedule is, but I know there are times when nobody can play on the thing. Members and and nobody. Huh. I mean, it's shut down. They. It's pristine. They they take great care of it. I think there's there's only one. Condoleezza Rice is the only female. I think there's one more. Is there now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been, and that was a kind of a, a thing here in the last couple, five years or so, where it was an all men's club, all this. They never let, yeah. in fact, in fact, Tiger Woods was the first black to ever play on that course when he played it. Uh, he's the first black to win, but I, I kind of thought maybe uh, Charlie Sifford or somebody. You're right, to win. You're correct. Yeah, to win. I yes. think that's what it is, yeah. So it's it's a it used to be this old white man's club that, you know, and now they're letting things, women women's get to play there. They were there a couple weeks ago playing at Augusta. Yes, there is. A, it's, it's a women's amateur open or something of that nature. Of course, it doesn't get the publicity, and I think the ladies are a little mad about that. But, yes, they have an event that is there for females. Yeah. So it's cool. It is. It's, it's you know, with the times, progressive thinking, progressive movements, and, and <laughs> progressive like last century. Progr- like pro- last century, almost though. <laughs> they, they were they they've cr- they're they're crawling into into being and being forced into these things. Well, I mean, it, they as were. great as an they event were. as it is, you know, let's you know, behind the scenes, there's right. some stuff going on that's just not. <laughs> but but I, I, I will tell you though, uh, who the, she was the first one, the first female to go there. It's Dr. Rice, for heaven's sake, Condoleezza Rice, oh, yeah. a former Secretary of State and the Provost at Stanford, and one of the most accomplished females in the world. What's her handicap? Though? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, I was sitting here thinking. I was sitting here thinking about all the great. Women's golfers have been that could not play at that course. Nope, Babe, Dicker, yeah. Babe Dickerson and just uh, um, Nancy Lopez, so many other great women golfers, and it's just a shame over the years. I mean, think about if they if they did a women's Masters, mm-hmm. if they just if they just opened up and did that, if and you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to get into a conversation about men and women and the draw, but if they you know, put half as much interest into doing a women's masters, then they would have another event that would make them a lot of money too. But I mean, I, oh, yeah. I don't think that they care. I don't think they really honestly care. Well, maybe in that. time, Joe, but I don't think we're in that mind frame right now. It, no, you no. take a look at the, excuse me, <clears throat> take a look at the ratings. 
for uh, WNBA and for women's basketball and for women's golf, the TV ratings, that's where they make the judgments on these yeah. things. And if your TV ratings aren't there, there's no, simply no justification for doing that because that's where you want the bulk of your audience. It, it may change somewhere along the line. Eventually. We'll hope so. We uh, keep our fingers crossed and, and, and we can say at least they are making their way into the, well, last early last century. <laughs> they finally made it. We'll come back and we'll talk about the NFL draft next on 104.7 The Cave. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It's Sunday. We're hanging out, talking sports, and... uh, we're talking football, and there's actually football on the TV right now because the USFL got underway. Yeah, well, you didn't go through a time warp. It's not 1980. We're watching the USFL as they play right now on uh, one of the TV networks. And uh, what do you think, Ned? I mean, tell us what the difference is in the USFL this year. They have cut down greatly, in fact, immeasurably on travel expenses. The key to the the USFL, and they have all the same teams, every single one of them, Philadelphia, Michigan, something else from the West Coast, eight teams, there are eight teams in the league, all the games, every single one of them from now until July 3rd, I think is when they have their playoffs, are all in the same place. They're all being played in Birmingham, Alabama at two locales. One is uh, the new stadium that Alabama-Birmingham built for their football team. And the other is Legion Field, where this one is being played. Three games on tap today, but the key to the entire season is no travel. It'll be kind of like that NBA bubble of uh, two years ago during the pandemic when they all played at one locale, Orlando, Florida. Well, that's what this uh, USFL will be, all in Birmingham, Alabama. Is that going to work? Well, your fans are going to be limited because who in Birmingham is going to care about the you know, just for whatever, the Philadelphia Bell or the New Jersey Generals. I'll care about the Birmingham team, of course. But the fact of the matter remains, they're not counting on uh, income from the gate. They're well, counting that, on the that's income, good. Income yeah. from the TV. <laughs> and the TV is where they make the difference. And it is a, it's a conglomeration of networks, but it's basically backed by Fox. And Fox is the one that's really spending the, the bucks to put this thing on. Three games today, uh, 12, 4, and 8. So with a limited number of teams involved, you're going to be able to get your games in. But the fact that it's in one location, it's never been tried before, whether or not that works. What they're banking on is that America is football crazy. In all honesty, I don't think they're that crazy, but we'll find out. Well, it's kind of interesting because we were talking in the break about America being football crazy, that we love college football, we love high school football, we love anything that we can watch, but it has to be in the time frame that we expect it to be in, which is basically from August to February. Anything outside of that, we really don't care about. And I don't know why Spring Football League, especially one that is uh, supported by the NFL, which the USFL and the XFL, which is going next year, are both supported, have some 
measure of support from the NFL. Joe, I don't think it's financial. I yeah. think it's more of just a plain backing. We authorize this, and they're practicing under the under the auspices of the NFL in terms of how they're using rules because some of these rules used in this league are being studied by the NFL. So it's that kind of association. And that's what I, that's what I wanted to bring up a little bit just because, you know, Major League Baseball has the minor leagues to fall back on and they say, let's try this in the minor leagues and let's see how it goes. This is a perfect opportunity for the NFL to kind of view some of the rule changes that they think about to see how it works in actual game situation to see how the teams react to it to see how officiating reacts to it plus it's great just to maybe give guys a chance to actually be a minor league for the national football league and there's no question about that now the the fan will say isn't the college minor league and it is because college level football is at such a high level and the talent base is so good that you could compare it to the minor leagues but it isn't operated by the NFL. It's operated by the NCAA for the most part and NAIA and other circles. And they aren't about to let the NFL in to perhaps adjudicate some of the decisions and practice some of the rules. Now, the NFL, you might remember, did have the European Football League yeah. and mm -hmm. had it in the late 1990s until about 2007 or so, somewhere around there. And that was terrific. That was great for new rules and for teaching rookie officials what to look for and what not to look for and giving the players <laughs> another chance but it didn't work so what's to say that this one will well the fact that no traveling expenses that's going to make a big difference but in terms of the football and the mind change of the american public that i think remains to be determined there's about 200 people at this game and there this is a large stadium that i would guess holds Oh, this is Legion Field, for heaven's sake. Yeah, how many people? Alabama, Auburn used yeah, to play. Yeah, so how many? 50,000? Oh, 80, 80 or 90. 80, and so, you know, it looks empty. Oh, yeah, with 200 people in it. I mean, there may be more. It's hard to tell. Jake, your thoughts. You know, why do these leagues not work? Well, I think today um, it's kind of twofold. It's Easter Sunday, so it's where the guys have to spend time with. <laughs> you know, everybody's. this is a family day. Um, and then it's kind of neat because then you all know, have these you know, luncheons here later and there's football on. <laughs> so why not use Easter Sunday uh, to promote this because you're going to be sitting around talking to family you haven't seen in a minute, but then it's always nice to have a game on in the background. There's that. But I don't think the NFL is so head and shoulders above every other uh, league in the, I mean, they're, they're, they're not just number one. There's a huge gap between them and the next major uh either baseball, hockey. Uh, really, I think you hit it spot on. We watch football from September 12th through Groundhog Day. And that's all it is. And, and we spend so much time watching it that maybe it's nice It's nice to see it, but I won't watch that. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think, Josh? Uh, I think since it's Easter Sunday, I'll I'll throw a quote at you. To everything, there is a season. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Oh, All very right. Well done. And I don't believe that football can make it in the spring and summer because there, for one reason, everybody this country especially loves baseball so much. Baseball takes up your time for this time of year. And the NBA playoffs are happening and the NHL playoffs are happening. There's a lot of sports going on to where people have had their, I feel like they've had their fill of football by the time the Super Bowl is over and the national championship in college. And so they're ready to watch something else. They, they still want to watch sports. They're st they still love sports. But 
they're ready for it not to be football for a couple months. I mean, it's only a few months before football starts again anyway. And, Josh, your point is extremely well taken. We are traditionalists for the most part, especially sports fans who like to see things within their season. And it is baseball now, and on an Easter Sunday, that is where you're going to be in tuned from a mindset. Their thought is we can change the mindset, and we can we can capitalize on the love of football here. And, and we do. Everybody does love football. Alabama, where they're playing this, Birmingham, my goodness sake, that's... The, probably the capital of the football world. Yeah. You've got Alabama, Auburn, they're the two big teams, but there is no pro team until this. So I think that the thinking from the networks is let's give them some alternative to baseball and basketball and hockey and so forth and bring football back and just see if we can make it. I think one of the things that they do well with this is, especially the USFL, is they put teams in areas that are traditionally big for college football. Mm hmm. So they have a built-in infrastructure for that, and uh, they have a fan base there that's kind of built in already. But I, I don't know. I don't really like this idea of them not – because how are you going to build up a love for your team if they're not playing where you could actually go see them? That, you know? Joe, is the key question right there. Can you, can you develop a fan identification, just use Philly or New York, with the team that's playing in Alabama? All their games are in Alabama. Can you develop that kind of focus? That's what they're counting on, and that's why they're saying we're going to use television here to make it work. Let's go to Fox and NBC and the and the other Fox Sports and whatever. Mm -hmm. See if they will back this financially and make it work. Make the people just for, almost forcing them into it, changing your mindset. Well, gang, <laughs> the sports public has been part of our American sports lexicon for centuries mm. you don't change a mindset overnight is is the way an old man thinks i don't know I, I i i'm a big fan of these and the reason why is new teams new cities new mascots and the other part is when i watch these i i look at these guys and i think here's a group of guys that are they're going out and they're trying to make their dream come true they're they're doing something That's about funny. it and and I and I really I like that part of it. That's that's the part of it that that gets me excited. Is you see a guy out there who, you know, he was the Kurt Warner story. You know, he's bagging groceries a week ago, and then he's in the Arena Football League, and then he's you know in the NFL. And those stories are kind of few and far between. But to see somebody out there that's actually going at it on a Sunday when they're 150 people in the stands because this is what they want to do. This is what they love. There's something to be said for well, that. Sure, in my there mind. is, of course. Yeah. And you can't. And it is the great American dream, of course. Yeah. So that's what that's what I kind of get off on when I watch. Now that I'll time. say the flip side of that is you're going to see the guys that didn't make it in the NFL in this in this league possibly too. Your Johnny Manziel's and some players like that who that to me. I don't know if it takes away from it, but it's just, that that's what I think of when I think of another football league is these are going to be the majority of these guys are the guys that couldn't make it in the NFL. But I agree with you. The ones that are on their way up, I think it's awesome. But the ones that are on their way down, yeah. But the ones great. who are <laughs> on their way up, however, the future NFL players are going to have that opportunity with NFL camps. Oh, yeah. They're not going to fool around with something like this because of the injury factor. So they will get an opportunity but really, the way the game is structured, it's it's going to have to be, hey, you better 
put forth your best foot. I don't think they'll get anything from this league right here other than maybe some a new look at some of the rules and things like that. That would be my guess. Just watching the level of football here, it is nowhere near. I mean, not even within light years of the quality that you'll see in the NFL. Well, it's not as, uh, the, the league that folded a couple of years ago, midway through the season, we were talking about it earlier, Bill Polian's league. Um, the play was overall just extremely bad. Yeah. You know, but what we watched today, I wouldn't say that it was that bad, but it it is kind of like watching minor league baseball compared to major league baseball. You're not going to, I mean, there's the variety of talent levels is what you see in things like this. And you might see a guy that actually will make, well, that's horrible. (laughs) <laughs> what we just witnessed was pretty horrible. Got a ninety-yard run for a touchdown. Yeah, off a oh, off a quarterback fumble. He's not even so, going that fast. Yeah, and he's well, about so, to be caught. Yeah, the quarterback. <laughs> the quarterback got up and went after him. So I mean, yeah, that's it. That's a guy that's trying to make his dream come true. When we come back, we'll talk about the NFL draft. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're watching the... USFL next year, the XFL will take off. I don't know if both leagues will be functioning next year or if or they're just going to keep switching it up between old former leagues. Well, it will not be something over which we lose any sleep. But the, <laughs> I don't know. I might. I might. I don't think you will, Joe. I don't think so. But the fact is it could be that they'll have a combined circumstances here. That is quite likely. Yeah, USFL, XFL, and we'll call it, what will we call that? Wouldn't be the Super Bowl, obviously, what will we call it? Let's come up with a name for it. The Toilet cereal bowl. bowl. The what? Toilet Bowl. Cereal Bowl. Cereal, <laughs> cereal Bowl. Host, sponsored by Wheaties. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a Alphabet good idea. Alphabet Soup. Alphabet exactly. Soup. I don't know. I'm the only one here that likes this. I like those helmets. Those are awesome. Colors look good, too. I'll watch it. I'm, I, yeah, I'm freely, Joe, freely. That's what I love about you. Every time some weird sports league pops up, you are genuinely interested in it. Yeah, I'm I just lo- waiting I, for the professional I, I love it. to start. All right, well, let's I mean, pre- it, present this scenario right here. All right, you have this game or these games going on. But on the opposite channel is the New York Yankees. Well, I'm watching the Yankees play. <laughs> Thank you. We just had a change of mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm not saying, like, look, I'm going to go out and buy a New Jersey's general jacket today or or, or right. I'm walk around, you know, with my number 12 Lynch jersey on today. I just, I'm not going to do it. But, I, you know, I pull for these things. I, I, I root for them because we were talking the last segment about the NFL being head and shoulders above everybody else. And one of my opinions about the NFL is not only is it head and shoulders above everybody else, the arrogance level of the NFL is head and shoulders above oh, everybody yeah. else. And there's a lot of guys, I think, that they just look at and go, well, he's not NFL material. Mm-hmm-hmm. You know, and so I, I, I like these things. And I pull for these guys that are, you know, living their dream. I mean, I'm living my dream right here, right now, doing this. Oh, sitting yeah. Ne- sitting next to Nam Reynolds talking sports. I mean, as a kid... 
If somebody told me I was going to do that, I'd be like, oh, you're fucked. If that's among your dreams, yeah, I, you've I'm got not problems. Say, okay, I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that I don't have mediocre dreams. I'm just saying. What we're saying, Ned, is now that. you're mediocre, Ned. Ned, what we're saying is we appreciate you. Yeah, we do appreciate <laughs> you. Let's, let's talk about the NFL draft. And the first question I have for you guys before we get into our mock drafts is, is the event bigger now than the, the names? Because at one point in time, I could remember when you would watch the NFL draft and you would go, I wonder if Tampa Bay is going to take, and this is just an example, don't correct me, please. I wonder if Tampa Bay is going to take Herschel Walker. I wonder if, if uh, um, I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. Uh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson or, um, you know, some big quarterback. Who's the, who's the big quarterback that they're going to take this year? Right. And most of the time anymore, I find the names I don't really know. I, and I don't feel like the the names live up to the event. Okay, I'm going to, I can elaborate on this because I'm older than you guys. And I do remember when the NFL draft was a micro-spect from what it is right now. Yeah. This is all made by ESPN. They're the ones who brought it in. And we talked about this before when ESPN went to Pete Rosell and said, hey, can we televise your draft? His answer was, why? Yeah. There's nothing there. These guys sitting around on a telephone. We used to monitor it when uh, back in my days at KY3, the earlier days, back in the uh, 60s and 70s, on the wire. When the draft would come over round, uh, well, round six. Of course, there were 14, 15, and 16 rounds back then. Now there are only seven. And I remember very well, my uh, I was covering the Bears back then, back in 1978, and uh, had... One of the Bears was a pro prospect, a fellow named Dennis Heim, who has been in this area quite a while, uh, New York Giants. I'm watching the wire, and I remember it. He, he was drafted in the 12th or 13th round. I saw him come over in the wire. Oh, my God, I'm going over. I called him on the phone. Dennis. He said, I've been drafted? And then, <laughs> and then I want to he come over. He didn't even know. Uh -huh. they, he did it a little bit later on, but I got over there and, and interviewed him and so forth and so on. It would have been on TV these days, and it would have been only round seven, but that's how it was done. It was nothing. I, now, let me rephrase that. It was something because you made note of it on your newscast, but it wasn't anything that they have now. With it. It's a show. It's one round, one night for, what, three hours? Three hours for 32 teams? Ugh. And you have, uh, he's on the clock now. They never had that. Come on. Oh, hey, Philadelphia, who are you going to choose? New York Giants, who are you choosing? Things like, hey, they already knew it. But now they've dragged it out. They've made it drama and so drama. forth and so oh, on. Yeah. It, it's it's altogether different. So, I mean, do you, the getting back to the original question here, is is, is the event bigger than the names? Well, I guess it depends on your variations of categorizing whatever the subject might be. Is it bigger than what it should be? I, I don't think it's fair to say that because the people watch. Now, they don't watch every minute of it, no. But the public watches. Everything's based on what a TV viewership audience is going to be. And because they have marketed, they being the NFL, marketed the doggone thing so very well and ESPN has marketed it so well. Yeah, it does have a football audience to it. I'll say yes. The spectacle of the NFL draft is much bigger than the names. I I will look at who the top five picks are, and then I look to see where Alabama players went. That's all I do with the draft. I think because I don't know it. I mean, even if I've seen those guys play for other SEC teams or other teams during the college football year, I don't remember 
all of these guys. So when they get drafted, I'm like, oh, defensive end from Georgia. Okay, cool. Where did where did the Alabama players go? That's all I'm interested in, honestly. Same thing's true of the NBA, though. I mean, the NBA draft is kind of a bigger deal than the names that are actually oh, ending yeah. up in the draft because I for the last few years, I have there's not really been a name that you thought, well, that's a game changer. Getting that guy, that's a complete game changer for that team. And I and I feel that way about the NFL. Jake, what are your thoughts? You got to go in just a second. So, what are your thoughts? I don't. It's the same with you. Is like I can't even tell you who won the Heisman. Yeah, no, I so, don't. So you take that, the, the best player in all of college football, and then you couple it with ESPN making it bigger than it is when it was just like what it was, guys on the top of them make wheeling and dealing. And, yeah, I'm only going to see where who the Eagles and Chiefs draft. I don't care outside of that. So I, I'll Google it like, like I do the Royals. Hey, the Royals win last night? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. You know, so with the Chiefs draft, I'm going to see in there, and I put all my trust in what they did with Tariq. I trust Andy. I trust Brian Veach. And then we're going to build a team from that. That's. Let me, let me ask you this question before you got to go. Trade or keep? Are they going to trade those picks, or are they going to keep them? See, and I've thought about that, too. Do you take these eight picks in the first four rounds and start trading up to get somebody you really need? Because they need defense. I'm telling you, guys, we got to get some edge rushers. we got to mm-hmm. shore up our linebackers. So uh, I think if they're really going to make a splash with what they got for Tyreek Hill from the Dolphins is you start trading up and you get some big, big, big players. I think it depends on the situation. Like if there's a big player available and they think he's going to be taken before they can get to him, I think they'll trade picks to get to him if it's what they feel that they need. But they they're in the driver's seat with this. They've got so many draft picks. They can they can do whatever they want to try to do that. So if a player is available and they need to trade a couple picks up to move up, they have the ability to do that. But if they don't, then they're just going to get depth instead of just trading them all for one big net. Well, everybody's talked wide receivers and I've heard there's oh there's five wide receivers and they'll all be gone by the time that the Chiefs get to them. Then I've heard other Talking heads talk about that there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position, and there may be guys later on in the draft that are not as big in names as the top five, but have some pretty big skill sets and are pretty big-time receivers that the Chiefs could pick up if they just sit and wait. Mm -hmm. Jake's got to go. We'll be back to wrap up Ned Talk in just a minute. Listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We were just sitting here and Ned mentioned, gosh, we haven't even talked about baseball. We've talked about USFL, NFL draft, Masters, um, what have you seen so far in the baseball season that got you excited? Well, the Cardinals are off to a pretty good start. Yeah. The uh, Royals have slowed up a little bit from their spring training, but it's really unfair to make any judgment on teams until probably middle or latter part of May. That's when you can determine what a team's going to do. And I use a case in point there. The Cardinals were just muddling along last year and kind of win some and lose some and so forth. Then how did they get in the playoffs? A 17-game winning streak. Yeah. 
Well, that's not going to happen every year, obviously, but I think it, it determines or makes one determine the fact that you can't judge a team even during the course of the early part of the year because you don't know how things are going to work out, the chemistry, the variables of injuries, and so forth and so on. But it's it's all, I'll tell you who looks real strong right now are the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, yeah, they, they I know how everybody feels when I was a kid and they, oh, the Yankees will just buy their world championship. That's exactly what the Dodgers do. They sign, they sign everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But guys, does it always work? No. Take a look at the Los Angeles Lakers have all these great pros. Of course, they're all a hundred years old, but they have all <laughs> these great pros in there. And what did they do? Didn't even make the playoffs yeah, for heaven's sake. The playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I find it really interesting the way that the, you know, the Dodgers have a, a, a very deep pockets and they apparently have a very deep farm system, too, because they are able to trade talent to get some of these guys at trading deadline. They're also able to sign a lot of big free agents. I fully expect to see Aaron Judge in a uh, Dodgers uniform next could, year. It could happen. And you mentioned the uh, Dodgers and the deep farm system. You get a chance to see him here because the Tulsa Drillers are the Dodgers double A farm team. Okay. And we have seen it. We have seen some of their talent coming in here and playing, uh, and they are, they're always very good, mm. always very strong. We talked about this a little bit last week. <laughs> Ned, of course, angry with baseball over the, uh, over, the, over the lockout and the way it was all handled. I uh, became very angry with, uh, with the, the aforementioned Aaron Judge because the Yankees offered him, uh, I think it was eight years, $30 million. He would be the highest paid position player in baseball by about $2.5 million a year. I was watching the game last Sunday night. He wants $36 million a year. And I said, sayonara, see ya. My love for Aaron Judge went away that quickly. And Joe, if that continues as the mindset for yeah. any of these guys... They, it, this is going to happen because we have reached a point, in my opinion, or we're very close to reaching a point where you can only go so high. Yeah. And then things are going. Our and economy, just, our economy is going to dictate something along these lines. These big salaries that are being offered now, it ain't going to last forever, guys. It uh, can't. And I do, and as much as I love the way that he's played for the Yankees, and I know that we're in the Midwest and we talk about the Cardinals and the Royals as much as we, as much as I, I love the way he plays for the Yankees. There's he's not worth thirty six million dollars, and I would say that the the money that they're paying some of the top tier players in the in the MLB he's not in that group. He's in the group right below it, but he's not in that Otani group. He's not in the Trout group. He's not in the Harper group. I think those are really the only three position players that are in that group, and I think the rest of it's you know guys that fall in the group below it. And, I, and it's really disappointing because teams are going to have a hard time hanging on to some of these really big players. And there are other teams that might have a chance to sign somebody like Aaron Judge that would be a, a difference maker for their organization, but he won't be because they will have to let players go to be able to keep him and make him part of the, making part of the group. I mean, 
the Rangers are a possibility. They seem to come up every once in a while to make a big signing. But I just, this is kind of sad, and I agree with you. I, I, I think this is a microcosm of the way baseball is going, and I don't think it's a good microcosm of the way baseball and, is going. And it isn't just baseball. The other sports no. as well. No. Uh, the basketball can probably get away with it for a while because of the limited number of people they're paying there. But, hey, they have other... Other uh, auxiliary payments they have to make backing the WNBA the way they do, and there's some of the minor league systems. But in terms of the big salaries for the players, they can they can get away with it. But football, I think it's probably going to start diminishing. It will in baseball, too. When? Who knows? When the owners finally decide, you know what? We're not making all that much money anymore, and much of it is because of these salaries. I think it's going to start to come down. Then what do the athletes do? What, go on strike and get nothing? <laughs> no, they're just going to have to tighten the belt a little bit. Yeah, you probably see shorter-term contracts will be the big exactly, thing. You won't exactly see, you won't see the big-term, you won't see the big long-term contracts. I mean, the one they're talking, the one they talked about with Judge would take him to, he was 37 years old and a guy at that size. I mean, he, he'll be lucky to make it past 37 years My old. My favorite story. Favorite story about exactly what you're talking about there is Roberto Benilla, Bobby Benilla. Yes. Bobby Benilla <laughs> quit baseball in 2001. That's how Albert Pujols got his start with the Cardinals because Benilla was with the Cardinals and injured, couldn't play. All right. He signed a contract that is absolutely the most astounding one. He gets a million dollars a year until 2032. And he makes a big deal out of it every year. It's, he smiles, throws a big party. Says, hey, today's payday. I'm getting my million dollars. Every year, it's sometime, I want to say, in the latter part of September or October. Fights all his buddies in. They have the big party and big blowout and all that sort of thing. That's what he's getting for doing nothing. Million dollars a year. That was a smart Whoever his Manager, agent was yeah, his needs agent. to be in the Hall of Fame and her yeah, statue. No <laughs> exactly. That's, that's impressive. I saw this great quote the other day. Roberto Clemente once said, pitch me outside, I'll hit 400. Pitch me inside, you'll never find the ball. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I just love those old stories. Well, Josh, thanks for being with us. Josh won't be with us next week. He's going to uh, a comic book convention up in Kansas City, yep. so we'll be missing him. But hopefully John and Jake will be back with us week and then we'll uh be of course here with ned who's always here except so, for may the first won't be here may first, may first. Or, nor maybe may 8th. no we may take those days off anyway <laughs> if you're just tuning in and you want to listen you can download us as a podcast tomorrow morning right here on 104.7 the cave.com you can also download us wherever you get your podcast at or you can do it from your smartphone we'll see you next sunday right here at noon ned talk on 104.7 the cave